0: This is the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast. What would it take for you to double your profits and half your stress with your intuition? Learn how with your host, Michael Light.
1: Hi, welcome back to the show. I'm here with Justice Bartlett, Transformational Ally. Welcome, Justice.
0: Thank you. Nice to be with you.
1: It's great to be with you. I met Justice many years ago, and we were inspired to talk about a few things to do with business intuition today, Uh, play and its role in business, joy, compatibility, and discernment, and maybe a few other things that come inspired to us during the conversation. So you mentioned uh, that you've been rebranding your business to be more focused on play,
0: Yes, I recently changed the name of my business from Embody Me to Playfully Conscious.
1: Oh, okay. Now why I mean, we often don't think of play as being part of business. Tell me more about why you think it is part of business.
0: Well, I think what I'm my approach that I'm coming to the world with is that Everything can be played with. I I think we kind of tend to compartmentalize our lives a lot. And we say, I go to work here. I play here. I'm a different person when I'm at work than when I'm playing. And maybe that works for some of us or some of the businesses that we're in. But for me and for the people that I work with, most of us are more interested in living wholehearted, integrated lives. And I think play is a fabulous medium to bring that through anything that you're experiencing, whether that's an internal circumstance or an external circumstance.
1: Mm -hmm. So what's an example where you might play in your business?
0: So we could set up little, little games. For example, let's say that... I, because I lead play shops, not workshops, let's say I want to lead a play shop and I have an idea of where I might want to lead it and I have an idea of maybe who I need to contact. So I might set up sort of a little map or a game board in my mind of, of seeing how that might connect and feeling the energy in my body, in my physical body, sort of rise and respond to what I'm kind of playing with through the imaginal realm in my mind or even on a piece of paper and sort of gauging the visceral response that I have when I connect with one idea of another. Does that make sense?
1: So you're feeling the sensations in your body, the emotions rising up as you play around with different locations or different formats for your play shop
0: or different people to connect with and sort of and and you get this intuitive hit when you're when you're sort of feeling out into possible outcomes or scenarios whether that feels like something that would be a good a good fit or or it wouldn't and I think that's a great way that we can play in business. I once heard that the that the head guy of Sony talked about taking an idea. If he took an idea and he pretended that he was eating that idea, if whether it was a, some new product or some merger that somebody was offering him, whatever it was, he would play with that idea by taking that idea and eating it. And if that idea gave him any sense of indigestion, then he wouldn't do it, right?
1: Mm. So that really is gut intelligence there.
0: Very much so.
1: <laughs> so by doing this playing with the ideas for your business, you can head off disasters that might happen from picking the wrong partner to work with or choosing the wrong location or or any other thing that might cause the the play shop to not go well or the business idea to not go well
0: you certainly can and um, on the, the other side of that when you do come into an encounter that doesn't well that doesn't go as well as maybe you had hoped or or you pick the wrong person if you are approaching the situation from the idea that you can play with this energy that's coming up in you, you can play with the information that you have gathered through making this, let's call it a mistake for lack of a better word. But you can and you can play with the notion of, of failure rather than being suffering and being burdened by it. I think and I've observed that you, you move through the situation much more gracefully. It's much easier to integrate the lessons that are being presented. And it's much easier to begin again when you realize that you're only ever playing with any given opportunity.
1: Well, and I think that takes the pressure off because instead of me being self-judgmental or I made a big mistake, uh, I'm now playing with the mistake and seeing what I can learn from it.
0: Right. And doesn't that just create a sense of ease, even in imagining going forward with something, if you're imagining ahead of time, that even if it doesn't go the way that you that you plan or that you think it should, that you can still play with whatever outcome is presented to you and you can have a valuable experience within that play. It's like, why not? Why not go for it?
1: I, I love it because it, it makes everything more relaxed and easy. If if I'm playing with different things, if my staff are playing with them, and you know that doesn't mean we're going to play with chainsaws this afternoon. You know, maybe we'll be juggling with balls instead. But um, <laughs> it's just more more fun, and therefore we'll like to be more creative. I I think too.
0: Absolutely, uh, play and creativity go hand in hand. Do we create as well when we're in a pressurized setting where there's a very structured and stressful outcome that's already kind of pushing us in or do we create better when we're, when we're relaxed, when we're in a state of flow, when we're engaging curiosity and when we're really allowed to just play with ideas and to play with different possibilities
1: right because but that allows us not to be locked into a preconceived notion about i must do this workshop at a certain location and it has to be a certain way by playing with it i'm now open to new possibilities
0: and the second you say that the second you say i must do this or it should be this way I immediately feel in my body, I feel those little neural connections that are always firing off and looking for, for different ways to connect and for different people to connect with kind of begin to shut down. The second I introduce this idea of should or must, they kind of go, "Ooh, oh, oh. <laughs> that doesn't sound very fun. That's not very engaging, right?
1: No, it it almost sounds like being back in school wasn't very creative.
0: Right. And I think maybe some of us are still dealing with that really that heavy conditioning and the compartmentalization that we had to endure as children, where where you get up in the morning, right? And, and for most of us, you get up, you kind of hurry through your morning routines. You get on the bus, you go to school, you sit in a desk, you go from room to room. You're, you're fed information. You're expected to regurgitate that information back, and then that kind of environment it, it gets. It's from grade school to high school to college to very, very many people into their to their business settings, and so play doesn't seem like an element that can be introduced into a setting like that it seems like it's something that has to be kept separately from that that a completely different self might even be the only one who's allowed to engage
1: in well and and often schools have separate times and spaces for play
0: and if, the, and the modern schools now are, are beginning to be even more rigorous around their regulations around that. I know a child who went to a school recently where they're not even allowed to run because it's an insurance risk. The kids could get injured, right? So these, these limitations and, and then even that becomes structured play instead of. Free flowing, creative, generating, entering into the imaginal room, either al- realm, either alone or together with a group, and just seeing what can be generated by that. That's how we bring new ideas and new worlds into being. Right.
1: That's where the imagination can create. I, I don't think we can create like under a strict. You might, you should create now. <laughs> it's like <laughs> hard to do. And it is hard. Yeah. And and thinking also of the unlearning that needs to be done around that school experience. I don't know about the school you went to, but the school I went to, there was a bell that rang at the end of every lesson. I mean, first of all, the assumption was the lessons had an exact time period. You know, you could only be creative in English or mathematics or French or whatever in this one hour time slot or whatever the time was. And then secondly, mm. a bell rings, and you're suddenly supposed to start doing something else. I mean, um, it's almost Pavlovian with those bells.
0: oh, sure, absolutely. And what if your brain doesn't work at all in the way that they're presenting the material anyways? What if you know you you have an auditory lecturer and you're you're a very a physical learner you're you're already having to to push yourself into trying to structure your learning experience in a way that isn't really compatible with how you're already configured to best learn.
1: So when you're saying play with a business idea, it may not be writing it on paper or speaking it out loud. It could be acting it out physically or, or some other way, whatever works for you.
0: And I think that's a wonderful way to look at it, to acting it out or to create a story, or even to first get a sense of generating a feeling about it. Because we, we're we feeling beings. And I think that's one of the things that really gets kind of turned off in, in the traditional school system that we're talking about. There, There is no part of our education that is teaching us how to deal with our feelings, or how to recognize an intuition, or how do we even acknowledge when something gets our interest? And play is an absolutely crucial part of all of that because it lets us know this feeling, this interest, this curiosity, this inquisition with this, you know, this, this particular, you know, branch of learning, be it science or math or art or whatever, it, it wants to be cultivated. It wants to be brought out into the world. But we're not really taught to pay attention to those things.
1: I, not only are we not taught it, I think we, we are told it is wrong to be that way. If you're too emotional in class, even if you're excited about the topic, you know, you, you're probably told to be quiet.
0: Right, because they want they want a very structured, settled learning environment. Now, I'll tell you a story that's very different from from traditional learning I grew up um I grew up in a small religious community and we had Montessori schooling all the way from from our our grade school and preschool all the way up into high school and I had an eighth grade teacher who who was who was an English teacher and I have loved words since I was since I was a baby I mean it, it, as soon as I could learn to speak I've loved words it's one of my favorite things to play with is our language. So we had this eighth grade teacher, little tiny lady, very, very cute, very fiery, very eccentric, like a classic Vata type in Ayurvedic medicine. And she was always late for class. And if she came in through the door, she would have to go by the principal's building and everybody in the administrative office would see, Oh, Miss Howard's late again. So she would climb through the window of our class when she was running late for class. And on multiple occasions when it was nice outside, she let us all climb back out that same window. And and I'm talking a small class. There was maybe eight of us in this class. But she'd, she'd let us climb out the window and follow her out. And we'd go lay out in a field And read Shakespeare, you know, we're, we're reading a midsummer night's dream and we're literally laying in this field of like spring flowers. And it was, and I love Shakespeare. Not only did I learn to understand and appreciate it when I was, you know, when I was a kid, which is difficult for many adults, but but I still, I love it. And those memories of that very playful teacher who is clearly inspired by her chosen profession, she transferred that fire and that interest and that, that joy to us because she was there and she was showing up and she was playing with it.
1: Mm. So if we could take that into our businesses and have that passion and that ability to encourage people to think out of the box and to be creative and to get passionate about the work that they're doing in the business. Just think what that could do for the success and enjoyment of everyone involved.
0: It's a different world when we take it there, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, I I love the idea that genius isn't like your IQ points. It It is your own individual inherent creative essence. And when that genius, when any one individual is really encouraged and allowed to explore and express their own genius, we have the – it's totally possible to live in a world full of geniuses, full of creative geniuses who are all communicating and collaborating to, you know, to make changes or to to innovate or just – to communicate new ideas across the globe without a sense of competition as well play is really so much more collaborative than many more of our current business models seem to be
1: i when you said your own genius what the word that occurred to me is my inner genie which is a one way to think of our higher self or intuition it's there on demand anytime you want to listen make requests your inner genie or your intuition is there to help you out
0: I love that. Yeah. Let that baby out of the bottle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It wants to come out of the bottle. It's just been stuffed in there by all the programming that we've received in schools and parents and other jobs we've done and all kinds of interactions we've had with other organizations.
0: Yeah, it's not a very creative, friendly
1: world. It seems like. Well what would it take to make the world creative and friendly?
0: I think the really first step is allowing and in, as individuals as
1: entrepreneurs
0: as parents that that we take it upon us to really to get to know our feelings
1: and to use those in our when we're creating things in business.
0: Absolutely. If if you're if you're stuck at a desk and you're looking at this project that, you know, that looks gray or boring or flat, or it doesn't, it doesn't have any juice or vitality to it. How interested are you in, in making something of that? Probably not very. No. You do it because you're supposed to, or because you have to, or because your paycheck's attached to it, right? Right.
1: Well, or because you thought your business was supposed to do it that way, if you were the business right. owner.
0: Right. That, that, that's supposed to word, should. Mm-hmm. You, <laughs> you, you should all over yourself. Instead of, if, if you know, if you know your feelings, and you, you know what it's like to feel genuine excitement about something, that excitement is going to, it's going to feed your creative fire. And not only that, it's contagious. If you, if you have the choice of listening to somebody present about a business idea that is, it's a PowerPoint presentation, it's been structured in the way, it's got the graphs and the numbers and everything else, and it's done exactly as it's supposed to be done and yet it's missing that fire it's missing that it's missing that genius or you have this other person over here who who is passionate about what they're presenting you can you can feel the difference if you are in any way inclined to sense for that passion you're automatically going to be drawn to it because it's going to kindle your own passion And when when your passion and this this other business passion gets ignited together, you've got some some brand new beast that can make its way out into the world.
1: (laughs) So that's a way to have your business be much more successful by following where the energy is, where the passion is or maybe tweaking with things so you can bring the passion out if it's if it's a little lower than you want it to be you can have a much more successful business
0: absolutely and i think i think we're hungry for passion as people we we respond when we see it and you know some of these really really famous businesses you know like steve jobs or whatever he he's totally totally innovative we are still you know I'm, I'm talking to you on my lovely little macbook air computer and we are reaping the benefit of his passion and inquisitiveness
1: and and not only his the way he could inspire people who worked with him to, to bring their passion to the business too
0: Absolutely. Yeah, he definitely didn't look at what had been done before and say, okay, let's redo that. He, he went to let's look at what's never been done before. And let's play with that. And there were people out there who were probably tapping into some similar fields, who responded to that passion. And there's a beautiful thing. Energetically, we we calibrate at an energetic level, our and and that that goes into our, our homeostasis, how we how we sustain our physical bodies as well. But even a business has a body; it has sort of an energetic system. We entrain to the most coherent system. So as we're looking at these old models of doing business, all this um, the really very greed and. Competition-driven business models. Um, how to look for what's lacking and and how to make people feel that lack, right? Versus how and you can feel that. You can feel how that feels. It like clenches the pit of my stomach. It's like oh, like don't 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 expect to sell me on my insecurities. Gross.
1: But that's how much much advertising is, and look at how many thousands of ads most adults uh you know receive every day
0: absolutely and and we do it and they do it, and they go about it because that's the way that they've been trained to do it is is you know to feed into someone's insecurity and to amplify that 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 greed really and then put you in in competition not only with yourself but with everybody else around you and then sell you the solution that <laughs> that will make it all better only it doesn't so a new paradigm of business model i think will be will be based on passion how to actually ignite each other and ignite our creative essences together and how to to drive that forward in a more and a more collaborative and mutually prosperous business model.
1: Mm. So maybe one day, as well as looking at the profit and loss and the balance sheet, maybe we'll be looking at the passion sheet and seeing, you know, how much passion is this business generating and sharing with others?
0: Oh, that just like sent chills through my whole body. Wouldn't that be so amazing?
1: It would, because it would help us focus on the areas of the business that need to grow because they're full of excitement and energy, and the areas that need to contract, because they're kind of boring and, and well, you know struggleful.
0: That that is brilliant. And that would be a completely different kind of way for a CEO to to head up their business is to, is to take surveys on the employees how engaged do you feel with your work how passionate do you feel about the current projects that you're invested in how how much how would you rate your level of of happiness and satisfaction on any given day and and what what can we do to support your creative environment so that you can bring more of your own genius to the table
1: Mm, that is a dream worth creating
0: well, Mister Business Mastermind, <laughs> <laughs> I believe we're at the we're at the front of that because it's very clear that the old models of doing business, those structures are beginning to crumble, mm-hmm. and they're they're not sustainable. They're not sustainable amongst uh, amongst us as human beings, as as communities, and they're not sustainable for the planet.
1: Well, that's one of the reasons I, I wrote the book uh, on intuitive leadership, because I think, first of all, for, for businesses to succeed now, you've got to use your intuition and use it openly. And secondly, if all the business people use their intuition, they're going to make much smarter decisions for their business and for the planet.
0: That gut intelligence, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There are actually more neurotransmitters in our, in our gut than there are in our brain. You know, it, there's, there's actually more in, you know, of the raw building blocks of, of, of brain matter down there in the gut. That, that's why if you get punched in the gut, what, what they, I forget what they call that in boxing, but, you know, it can knock someone out. Yeah, It's not like being oh, yeah. punched in the arm or leg. You get punched in the gut, it can actually knock you out because that has zapped out that part of your intelligence.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. It,
1: and it's also why if you ever read the fine print on those antidepressants, they have all kinds of side, you know, they're designed to go to your brain, right? To make you less depressed. But they also have all kinds of side effects on the intestines and, and digestion.
0: Mm. And it's where it's really, if you our gut with the with it being more of a we a micro biome rather than you know single organisms. We're <laughs> we're a, a microcosm of organisms, right? But the same organisms in your gut are exist, you know, at the top of Mount Everest. So talk about this whole inner to outer thing. And I I think.
1: So you're talk talking about. about the bacteria in our in our gut at that point, absolutely, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. absolutely. Which so I, think I, ha- talk- I have
1: to wonder: it, it, are the bacteria supporting the, uh, us as humans, or are we humans there to support the bacteria who are in our gut? You know.
0: Well, and um, uh, it seems like it's a, a mutually beneficial arrangement. We provide them with an environment to to grow and evolve in, and they help us to grow and evolve.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. It
0: seems like it would be a good indicator of how to interact with all of our surroundings as, okay, how is this arrangement mutually beneficial? And, and certainly in business, certainly in business, every exchange should be mutually beneficial.
1: I think that would totally change things. What would it take to make every exchange in your business mutually beneficial for all the parties concerned? Whether that's you, the stockholders, the people doing the work, the customers, your vendors. You know, there's so many people involved. Even in a small business, you could have hundreds of people who who interact um, in that business. And if you have a larger business, it can be millions of people involved. I mean, if, when I buy, if you buy a, you know, an iPhone or you buy a, a car or whatever, millions of people have been involved in creating that object that you're now using. And what if all of those interactions have being mutually beneficial instead of people trying to screw each other over?
0: It would be a total game changer.
1: I think you would as a consumer I think I would pick up on that at least at a subconscious level.
0: Well, and those those fields are you know, those subtle energetic fields are are very very powerful. When I talk to people about the way that I work with them talking talking from sort of a magical perspective, I tell them that there are three ways that we can use magic. The the first way I I call high magic which is really it's the state of surrender it's the state of I have no agenda I have no intention I'm just going to show up open my heart open my my create allow my creative genius to flow through and it like (laughs) magic do as you will right and that might be a great way to bring about an idea for a business but it's probably not going to do a whole lot to carry it into the world Unless, you know, you're, you're touching on a bunch of people who are also in, engaging in that sort of sense of field and, and it can absolutely grow and, and become mutually beneficial. The second kind of magic that more of us are capable of doing is we have our intentions, we have our agendas, we're conscious of how we're using our energy in and how we're using our energy to make those intentions a reality. And it's collaborative magic. I'm coming with my energy with my intentions and I'm meeting you with where you are and we are working together to generate something amazing from that state. And the other kind of magic is what I think of as dark magic is where we are enforcing our agendas on other people. We're interfering with other people's willpower. We're being manipulative and subversive and we're you know, either willfully or unconsciously using our agenda to, to bring about what we think needs to happen. And when I look around in the world, I see a lot of that type of magic being used, particularly in business, because we're not operating from a mutually beneficial paradigm. We're operating from a paradigm where, for the most part, it's the people at the top who are getting what they want and using everybody who's below them to make that happen, So like we were just talking about for a mutually beneficial system to bring about, all that really has to happen is for each person who is let's, let's say we're looking at a pyramid structure with a, with a CEO at the top with their next down, their next down, their next down instead of the person at the top sitting up there going, how do I use the person below me to bring about my agenda? They meet them on an equal level and they say, what can i do for you to 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 um to support your creative genius so that we can, can we can create even more we can have even more we can reach even more people with our product or with our service and for that person to do the same thing to the person below them and the same person below them and the same person below them
1: well and maybe the pyramid is not the right diagram for that maybe you i mean some people invert the pyramid and put the ceo at the bottom, serving everyone else. Ah. Uh, and another model is just seeing everyone in a circle and we we just have different roles. You know, the, the CEO may be, you know, guiding or communicating the vision of the company, um, but other people are helping in that. So, I, you know, I think that pyramid vision ha- has some, you know, there's some energy in that. Probably left over from the pyramids and the pharaohs. <laughs> I <just> think so.
0: <laughs> well, and and I think that's well, and it's you know, it's the same with really all these pyramid dynamics with the with the food chain and with the people being at the top of that and everything. It's it's and no, none of that really, none of that really works in um in in a real time sense because we're all engaging and interacting with each other at multiple levels. And no one person is more valuable than the other, I think, is the other thing that needs to shift is no matter what position you have within any company, your your services, your idea, your your position, you're valuable. And, and because you're valuable, you have a right to you have a right to respect.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we have we bring different skills to the company and we can respect all of the skills.
0: Mutual respect.
1: <laughs> so you mentioned playing with time there. Can you tell me a bit more about about that? Because that sounds intriguing. So many business people feel a little pressed for time.
0: Mm. Well, um, I like to instead of seeing time as a linear construct which which feels like there's there's a timeline going out in front of me and in front of me is the future and behind me is the past and it's always receding the past is always (laughs) it's always getting back there and, and whatever I'm putting in my my goal sphere out into the future is always um it's always kind of out ahead of me but it, within you know the way that life functions there's always things that are cropping up that need to be tended to between me and those goals so another a more spherical approach to time is you take that timeline and you wrap it around you like a circle so you have access to the future to to the to the current time into the past and it's all kind of orbiting around you so to speak. So when you when you place a goal for yourself, you you place it in orbit around you and you pay attention to your alignment and your position within that orbit with that goal. And then maybe Using that time even more so as a container, it becomes clearer to you when things arise like, like looking like asteroid belts sort of in between you and the direct experience of that goal and then you can use your discernment is this really is this something that really needs my time and attention right now or is this just debris that's sort of coming up for me to decide okay i i need to clear this off my table and focus more directly and clearly on what i want to accomplish here
1: hmm. so do you feel less stressed around time when you you feel, look at it that way
0: absolutely because it's not and it's something when you feel like you, you've missed something maybe. So now something that you wanted to have the experience of in your future doesn't happen and it goes into your past. When you experience time spherically, then you're experiencing you're experiencing life in, in rotation. So it is entirely possible to, to pay attention to where that rotation might come back around again. And you get to engage with it in a different way in a different time from maybe what you set out and plan to do. So it really it it opens it opens the experience up a lot. And to me, it feels less compressed. And what I notice is that that I will I will sort of set I set feelings more than specific goals. I'll set um, I'll say okay. I, I'm I'm having this feeling. I'm having this um, sort of growth of creativity in myself, and I'm knowing that for that really to come to full fruition, I would like to be sharing that. So I set the intention for this feeling that's been growing inside of me to to have the opportunity for a state of expression, right? Mm. And and I'm kind of paying attention to my my time, timeline sphere and then all of a sudden someone pops up who is like okay i i have a scene or i have a setting for you to bring this this creation that you've been feeling into and it's more like it's like there's this um yeah like these rings that are all kind of rotating with each other because this person is in their own time sphere and they're paying attention to their own sort of energy and their goals and intentions and then all of a sudden one day it's like those rings intersect and we we create this this new moment through this new collaboration that's going to then be mutually beneficial for both of us as well.
1: Mm. Does that makes sense. So you're not so much scheduling activities during the day, you're scheduling the the emotions you want to feel in this time I circle.
0: Yeah, more so sort of setting out the feelings and the the desired states to be generated.
1: And then that helps those to manifest during your day.
0: Right, absolutely. Absolutely. And it and it's setting it up to where the state, the energetic state or whatever it is that I'm offering is going to be set to, to come into perfect alignment with somebody else who's resonating <laughs> with the need to match that same state.
1: Wow. So instead of forcing the schedule, I've got to meet with this person at 10 a.m. and then I've got another meeting at 1030 and, you know, you're setting the state you want to feel like joy or abundance or whatever state you're looking for. And then you're attracting that into your day.
0: Right. And then it, and it happens on a scheduled way as well, because we have to make agreements to decide that we're going to, we're going to converge at this first, a certain time and place. So, so that happens as well, but it happens more in a sense of it's like, like for you, for example, I, um, I know that I am right now, I'm working on working with people both for personal and professional. and. And relational means how to refine their energetic signature, that which they're emitting into the world to to create the existence that they want in a, in a very practical way. I'm I'm intending to offer that into the world, and so here you came along, Michael, and you're like, "Would you like to be on my podcast?" And we, it's like, it, it's, do you see what I mean? Like, here's you with this. This thing that you're holding and that you're offering, here's me with this thing that I'm holding and that I'm offering. And we happen to meet at that position in time where where those mutual offerings, not only do they make sense, but they're but they can collaborate and they can they can create something new together.
1: Right. Because we were both putting out wanting to to have that kind of experience. And then right. also when I made the offer to you, I'm assuming you felt into the, the energy I had. And would this be a match energetically? Right. Cause we, we don't, exactly. we don't, we don't say yes to every single offer that comes along to us necessarily.
0: That's right. And, and that's, that is the discernment factor. And, and, and I think, you know, in a lot of, Conscious manifestation stuff. The power of no is not given its due. Its due time and reward because we we have to use our our yeses and our no's
1: judiciously. Well, saying Otherwise, saying no to one thing allows space to say yes to something else.
0: Exactly, and and we get clearer about what we do
1: want when we get clear about what we don't want to and and also, I you know I, when I was first in business, I saw no as a rejection, but now I see it's just this is just isn't a fit, you know right it, it's not a big today i don't <laughs> I, today, I don't <laughs> feel like eating vanilla ice cream, I'd rather have chocolate ice cream, you know tomorrow I might be different, but it it doesn't mean i I, I hate vanilla ice cream, and vanilla ice cream is a bad ice cream you know. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and it might be the perfect food for someone else today you know and the same thing when i'm making you know offering something to someone uh you know would you like to use my service or read my book or whatever it is maybe it's good for them today maybe it isn't but it, it doesn't mean anything about me if it if it's a no
0: mm. And that's perfect. And that I think that that, that I ultimately is what really allows us to to show up and support each other more, personally and professionally. Is if we realize that everybody we're we're constantly sort of refining what we're offering, and people are sort of refining what they're looking for. And those moments are going to happen where where we're exactly what somebody needs, and and, and we have we have the skills we have. We have the materials, whatever it is. We have what they need in that instant, and then on other days we don't. <laughs> there, there's something else that's a better fit for them,
1: and a, for a better fit for and us too, maybe.
0: Right, absolutely, and that's the mutuality thing, right? If it's if it's good for me and it's good for you, it's good for both of us. If it's only good for me and it's not good for you, then it's not actually good for for either of us.
1: I like that. <laughs> and and you know something else i've experienced with with no is that there are so many ways to say that single word you know it can be said uh with judgment it can be said with n- neutrality and um it can be said no, no can be said to sound like yes you know um mm. which Many of us may have experienced when dealing with salespeople who are a little over aggressive that <laughs> so we say no, but they don't quite get it um, so there's a, some what i'm trying to say here is that the word, the way you say a word is as important as the word you use mm-hmm. and
0: and that, that is what i'm getting at with this refining your energetic signature stuff too now what, so that,
1: when you say energetic signature I, I i think i get what you mean there but maybe some of our listeners are a little unclear what that is and and how that would apply to them and their business you you're saying each of them has an energetic signature in this moment and their business does too or? yes absolutely and their products do or their services and their marketing materials yeah. basically everything in their business has a separate energetic signature
0: Everything—it's yes. Everything has an energetic signature. It's um, it's a combination of of where you've come from, um, of your intention intentions, what you've refined in yourself emotionally and creatively, and how you're putting that out into the world.
1: So, and why is that important to a business that you know what those different. Energetic signatures are, and you can do something about them.
0: Well, I think it comes back. You know, we can we talk real simply about it in terms of um, of collaboration or of of greed. If your energetic, if the energetic signature that you're putting out into the world is to manipulate people and to make them to feel insecure in such a way. Is where they think that they need your products then the, the energetic signature that you that's the signature you're putting out Does that makes sense
1: and then people will pick up on that and you won't your business won't be as successful as if you had a, a different signature
0: right or the people that will that will be drawn to that will be people who are who are insecure who um you know who can't afford your services who um who are are feeling are feeling the undercurrents of that and what that brings up and that could be that could be a whole big mess of stuff
1: so Um, that would mean to me that it would be less joyful for me running that business or owning that business and i would make less profit
0: yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. Because and and eventually, you know, that's going to catch up with you because you're if you're if you're selling that way if you're if you're using your signature in that way through a business in particular, uh, what you're really generating is more suffering in the world, and and that will eventually catch up to you. It might not catch up, you know, in in five years or ten years that. It might catch up somewhere down the line, um, but it, it will always eventually catch up to you.
1: Well, one somewhere way I've, as, I've seen that catch up is, you know, someone has a business and then they get kind of burnt out around it. They just don't enjoy doing it anymore.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, it also can turn or up with. Wait. Oh, go ahead, Justice. Yeah.
0: No, no, go ahead. Well, it might be
1: that you. It might be that you have struggle with your staff, and people are always quitting or complaining. It might be that, um, you know, the the business goes out of business, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, some of that energy of the signature of the business uh, in a traditional business that comes from the founder. And that's often why when a business that is a family business goes to another generation, it doesn't always succeed at that point because Mm. the energy has shifted.
0: And that's where compatibility comes in. You know, for for that next generation who might be picking up the family business. Is that something that their heart and that their passion is invested in? Or are they just doing that because they think they
1: should? Well, and I've seen that in businesses where the 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 children feel they should be doing it, but they, they, it's not really their passion. And they don't enjoy it. The business doesn't run well. The staff don't like it. The customers pick up on it. It's just no fun. Mhm. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's not profitable either.
0: So, and, and, and you can, I don't know if any of you are paying attention to the subtle energetic signature that's kind of changed as we've been talking about going about business in this way. It's dropping, it's getting a little bit more flat. It's kind of like, hmm, huh, maybe not, not so much. Whereas, let's, let's flip. Let's talk about the other way of, of going about it, of putting your energetic signature into the world. In a professional way, in a way that you're in alignment with, you're passionate about, um, you're excited, you're you're collaborating with people, and you're making sure that that there is mutuality at the root of how you are intentionally structuring your exchanges. Which means, okay, for example, like you're not going to put out a shoddy product because the mutuality isn't going to be there. You're going to get a bunch of dissatisfied people who. Who don't like what they've received so if you're if you're generating a physical product then you're you're checking for the quality of that the quality of of yourself becomes an aspect of of that manifestation of that product
1: mm. so hi are you saying that week as Business people can learn to feel our own energetic signature, feel it in other people and also pick it up, you know, how the energy signature of the whole business or any part of the business is.
0: Absolutely. And if you're if you're running a big business, you, you can even get to the level of, of being attentive in this way where you could you could imagine your whole business as you know, various colored lights on a, uh, your employees as various colored lights on a, on a panel. And you're primarily responsible for the main light on that panel, which is your signature as the business owner, as the creator. But you're also responsible to see that these other lights are lighting up and what you, you can get to do is you can get to the level where you notice okay i'm lighting up these people are lighting up this light over here isn't lighting up and then you you can attune to your to your employees in your business and look for okay who is it that's not lighting up on the control panel because that's affecting the quality and the function of the whole panel
1: So, I mean, uh, one way I access that information is I imagine all the people involved in the business are sitting in a circle in chairs, and then I visualize what do I notice with each of the people? Are there any that, you know, they're nodding off to sleep, or maybe their body is missing their feet because they're not grounded, or uh, there's something else strange, Well, they're not just looking at the same focus. So I find that that's one way to access that. Uh, information and then when i've accessed that information i also if i choose to i might do some magic by sending light into the circle to help everyone focus you know um now sometimes people respond to that uh energetically and they perk up um other times they don't and there's something going on and there needs to be a conversation or that they, you know, we need to part ways. Right. You know, maybe they were a fit for the business before, but they're not a fit now. Right. Or maybe I just wasn't so good at hiring when I hired them, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So is when you said compatibility in a business, is that what you're talking about that people's energetically, uh, compatible and, and going in the same direction or did you is there something else you're meaning by compatibility?
0: I think that's definitely a big part of it. Yeah. Um, are are people's are are people going in the same direction? Are they able to to communicate, to collaborate? Um, if you're if, if you're looking for say um, to be in in partnership with somebody, I think this is a really key important thing is um, is noticing your own signature when you're around that person they might have they might have great ideas um, it might seem like your work blends well together like you have um, like you have products that are compatible or whatever and yet if you notice that when you are around that person that you feel unsettled for some reason and you may not be able to even put your finger on that, that's a pretty good indication that the compatibility isn't there for for partnership in any level. You can play that game, in um, you know, in romantic partnership as well as in business partnership. But to to really pay attention to the feelings and to the signals in your body, and to be clear, like, okay, what am what might I be projecting on them versus what am I noticing about how our energy actually. Can work together, or how it how it um, how it repels against each other. And if in any way you know you're you're trying to work together in a partnership with somebody, and you have repellent energy between the two of you, it's going to wind up repelling customers in future endeavors as well.
1: So it's very important who you decide to hire, who your business partners are, who you joint venture with, who your vendors are, to have that be compatible um for a successful and joyful business.
0: Absolutely. And can you and, and here's the thing, can you push any of these things through? You absolutely can. But but, but there's always going to be a cost. So like you said the cost might be that you go along and you do you do so well for a number of time and and then the numbers start to drop. You you know if you're If you're hosting events, people stop showing up to those events because we we sense these subtle signatures and we are all really at a very core level. We're trying to choose more harmonious experiences to amp up that level of harmony in our own life. So if you're in a business venture with somebody and and the energy between you is is repellent or discordant then the people who are coming to you will sense that they will get a sense of that. And they might not even know consciously what it is that they're sensing. They'll just know they don't want to be a part of it. And then your, your numbers will drop or your services will decline.
1: Or you may have health issues turn up because you're stuffing down this repellent energy and storing it in parts of your body.
0: Yeah, there's a big one.
1: So uh, when I think of, this i i get two things that come to me you know i've got a potential person i could be working with in one of these roles you know hiring or partnering or um as a customer or vendor you know whatever the role is and i'm feeling into the compatibility i'm noticing in my body you know i might is part of my body contracting is my stomach tense you know am i feeling hot or cold somewhere am i feeling emotions come up And I, you know, I probably have to get into a quiet space to be able to notice those messages. And then I'm taking two things from this. One is I can see if there's something in me to clear. Is there some history in me or some pattern in me that when I'm around this kind of person, I have a reaction and I can clear that and I can then having cleared that I can have a clearer view of, okay, am I now more compatible or is this still not a good fit?
0: and 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 that's a really good process is to to always look at how are we contributing or or how are we projecting and and sometimes sometimes we can clear that and we can decide to show up you know in relationship with that person and sometimes part of clearing that is also getting clear that we're not meant to be in relationship with that person
1: maybe that person came into our business just so we could clear that issue so we could be aware of it and have the opportunity to clear it
0: and that's where it comes back around to play if you if you're engaging with all of these different dynamics and um positions as as if you're 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 only engaging to to play and see what comes up then you don't have to get all, like, down on yourself or it's like, oh, I failed, I made a horrible judgment call, I was so wrong about this person, I was so wrong about this business venture, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. It's just, okay, I'm setting up the goal that, in my life, I want to be a more wholehearted individual. And I want my business, and I want my business interactions with whomever they might be or whatever products I might be offering to be a reflection of that solidity and that integrity. So when anything arises from within us or or externally in our business or in a professional setting, it's always just an opportunity to to be able to come back around and play with it as a situation that is it's inviting us into what I like to think of as a sacred spontaneity, allowing the energy and the information to flow where it's most harmonious, where it's most dynamic, where it most needs to go. And then and then taking ourselves out of this loop of failure and suffering because all we're doing is we're playing with what's being presented to us.
1: And by using these methods of you, our intuition and feeling the energy signature, instead of playing, juggling with chainsaws, we're looking at photos of chainsaws to decide if they're compatible or not. Right. So right. the play it, is a lot safer.
0: Absolutely. That's a great That's great. photos of chainsaws instead of the chainsaws themselves
1: yes (laughs) because when i access information intuitively about whether to hire someone versus hiring them and they screwing around in my business for a year and having lots of drama and i still get the the learning and clearing or the opportunity to learn and clear but i may end up with a lot more blood on my hands um from the chainsaws
0: (laughs) right and and i think most of us in these situations, whether it's professional or or it's you know a personal relational thing, if we if we think back and we and we think into we, we feel into our bodies and, and the information that was being presented us, and we notice there will almost always be signals, and and we can either choose to investigate those signals or ignore them. And when we choose to investigate those signals, then then yeah, we have the opportunity to use our intuition to to head off more drama and it, it gives us more energy, more time to play.
1: And, you know, so many of us in business have an addiction to drama and struggle. You know, the, there's almost this view that it's supposed to be full of drama and suffering. Otherwise it's not a real business.
0: Yeah. Whoever made that rule up, they need to be <laughs> scared.
1: <laughs> yeah. Business doesn't have to have be full of, uh, politics in office politics and drama it, it can be around cooperation and joy it can be about ease and abundance not struggle and scarcity Hmm. it can be about well, about flow and not rigidity
0: yeah yeah absolutely well and it, it can be about you know meeting each other seeing each other and meeting our needs instead of marginalizing any any individuals or groups within the business
1: well so much of human experience is around top dog bottom dog you know I mean the obvious example is gender but religion uh, schooling you know there are many ways people pretend that someone's better than someone else right Um, and it's not very generative it's not very creative it kind of shuts down the, the group energy for creating as much as it could create.
0: It definitely does that, and I think you know when I look at the sort of the condition of our world, that is what I see as as the biggest issue: is this sort of subversiveness of our all over creativity. And the Greeks believed the Greeks believed that we were all. We all have this um they call it the daemon it's your your creative essence and energy and if you are giving that creative essence voice and space to do what it wants to do to create to really at a very primal level to bring your own energetic signature into the world through your gifts and through through your products through your services um through, through your art, through your skills, whatever, then then we live in uh, then people are, are prosperous and healthy. And um, if we suppress and subvert that, then that energy becomes demonic in mm. the sense that energy becomes de- destructive and disruptive, discordant and, um, and uh, yeah, and, and involved in that, I think is is some of the greed and some of the um, some of the sort of suppression of our creative essence as um, as divine beings. So, taking that into business, it, it once again it behooves us, it behooves all of us to encourage this mutuality and to encourage each other's passion and creativity
1: because everyone then wins uh everyone yeah the you as the leader of the business win everyone who works with you wins everyone who's using your products or services wins the planet wins it's a multi-dimensional (laughs) win-win yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) win-win-win-win-win-win-win
1: so you've mentioned the word discernment several times and i'm Is that different from having a judgment about something? You know, I'm wondering why you use that particular word.
0: I think so. Um, To me, discernment, most simply put, is the effective use of yes and no. I don't necessarily need to judge something to say yes or no to it.
1: So discernment is making a choice. Judgment is making something good or bad. Something's top dog or bottom dog.
0: Right. That's how I experience it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Discernment has um has a fluidity and it, it and it can arise a yes can arise in a moment and a no can arise in a moment. And it's really the difference between saying, like you were saying, like, okay, today I want chocolate cake and to me chocolate cake is a huge yes. Yes, 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 chocolate cake. And <laughs> and the and the fluidity and I don't say chocolate cake is great, I don't say it's you know, it's just it's today I want cake. And, and a no would be, okay, tomorrow I don't want chocolate cake. And it, it doesn't change, you know, the quality of of what cake is, right? It's just today I want to say yes to it and, to, and t- tomorrow I want to say no to it. And I think in, in business, you know, it's the use of effective discernment is really only saying yes to things that we get that full, wholehearted, intuitive body enlivened yes to and, and noticing when we don't have that visceral response, then that can definitely that can encode for a no. It's, it's not it's not a passionately engaging opportunity.
1: I, I think that is very important. And, uh, you know, I've said that around hiring. If it's not a hell, yes. Uh, to phrase it a different way, you know if it 's just a maybe or perhaps they would be a fit later or 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 if it 's like a definitely not, any of those flavors that are not hell yes, a passionate yes are are a no when it comes to hiring, and I think you're saying that can apply to every decision in business if you 're not feeling that passionate yes, then take it as a a no it 's a no for now mm-hmm. You know?
0: And, and it, you know, it, it could it could be that the circumstances around it change. Um, but, yeah, if you don't if you don't get that in live and lit up feeling that hell, yes, like you said, then then, yeah, you, you have to ask yourself, what is it worth to invest my time and energy and attention into this if I don't get a resounding passionate? Yes, because there will be a cost
1: right there will be a financial cost there's a joy cost there's also an energy cost i mean we talked about um you know a passion sheet measuring the passion in different areas of business uh, a similar related idea is looking at the energy flows in your business you know where are the energy drains in your business where are the energy gains where you get joy and passion from it and i can choose on a conscious level that i'm going to you know work with a certain person or do a certain thing and you know recognize i'm not getting as much energy from it and i have to make up that energy somewhere else um and you know i might choose to do that because i want to get certain learnings from that person or there may be other reasons but if i'm conscious about it i realize this is not gaining me as much energy or it's actually draining energy and it's just like when you spend money in your business sometimes if you look at your profit and loss you can see, okay, there are certain areas where I'm making money, and there are certain areas, certain products that don't make as much money, or they actually lose money. And then I have to decide: am I going to, are we going to keep those products on, or are we going to shift something about them to improve them, uh, or, or are we going to stop those, doing those products? Mm. So, um,
0: and and like you mentioned before, I think this is really. This is a useful thing to bring back up again, too, with your health, with your health, because, yeah, the cost can come out in your physical well-being. The, if you, the energy that it takes to to run a project that you're not fully passionate about or to, to keep going with a, a product that's not giving you a viable return – is there going to be a physical toll on your energy because you you have you have this energy you have so much of it? It's it's much more replenished by doing things that you're wholeheartedly and joyfully participating in than by things that you're kind of just sort of half you know half ass dragging your feet through. Or, so, or
1: working with people who are a joy to work with versus someone who is a drag to work with.
0: Absolutely, because that can physically drag the energy out of you as well. And, and there are different types of constitutions, and I think this is something to pay attention to. Um, certain constitutions are very hardy, and they can run, and they can push, and they can push, and they can push, and they won't see much of a physical depletion from it. But eventually, with these types of constitutions, is if they push enough out of themselves they will get to the point where they collapse and then the collapse for those types of people is a lot more serious than for the types of people who tend to get who tend to get more cold who kind of whose immune system sort of operates in their environment in such a way as where it gives them feedback as where okay you need to take a break now and they'll not feel so well and they'll have to stop and tend to themselves so knowing what kind of person you are and what kind of constitution you have energetically Will also help you to manage that energy and navigating your business endeavors because at the root of your business being healthy is you being healthy first and primarily.
1: You being healthy and happy. And um, to add another H in there, holy, though maybe spiritual is a better word for it. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, and I think that burnout that can happen through, you know, mismatched energy signatures and energy drains in a business that can come out in the health. It can also come out in your uh, home relationship with your spouse and children. Um, you know, many the stereotype of, of a business person is that they're hard driving and and their marriage suffers. And then after 10 or 20 years, the marriage falls apart. Um, and the same thing with health, you know, their health may be just fine for a, for a few decades, but then they have a heart attack because they weren't putting enough joy in or they end up with cancer or, you know, whatever manifestation that health comes out as, because I see all health issues as an energy manifestation and a message.
0: Absolutely. And, and sometimes that's the cost. No, it's not that your bottom line suffers in your business. It's that your yeah, your family life suffers. Your your health suffers, or, or maybe so your spir- I-
1: maybe your spiritual life suffers. You know, maybe you you get to you've been running your business, but then you feel dead inside, and and like, is this all that there is to it? I, I
0: once worked with a. Um, with a very, very, very wealthy individual running multiple businesses, and I, I remember going into this session thinking, "Wow, how am I going to get this guy's attention? Like, how, how the heck am I going to get this guy's attention?" And I didn't know. It was just, you know, there's that play and sacred spontaneity. And so, and and he sits down in front of me, and he's just exuding importantness, just totally. Like, like, so, like, I was like, oh my. And I, I was like reaching. I was reaching for it. I was like, okay, how am I going to get this guy's attention? And I, and I heard it. I, it came through. It goes, he goes, ask him to rate these things at the level of importance. I was like, okay, I'm, like, I'm going to ask you three questions and I want you to rate them as what's most important in your life. And I was like, and, and I was like, spirituality, family, and business. And he was like, well, and he and he stopped his eyes like he did the blinky thing like he was trying to recalibrate. And he was like, well, he's like, I guess my spirituality is the most important thing. And, And next my family and then comes the business. I was like, "Okay, great. I was like, so are you conducting your life in such a way where where those values are reflected in the way that you that you are showing up, and he was like, "Nope."
1: Mm. A painful realization, perhaps.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I managed to get his attention.
1: <laughs> well, be- better that you got his attention, and he had a few moments of pain as he realized his values were were not reflected in where he spent his energy and time versus you know, he ends up with a heart attack or he ends up feeling empty or his marriage falls apart.
0: Right. Exactly. And um and, and that's what we that's what we did. We we took his priorities and we reorganized them, we restructured them and he reorganized his life in such a way as where um, he made those a priority and part of his spirituality that he discovered was was taking time out. Um, <laughs> he was able, he was in a financial position. He was like, well, I'm, I'm going to start by just getting a massage every day. So I'm going to start my day by, by having a meditation and getting a massage. It was like,
1: oh, I want that life. <laughs> 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 and, and then, then it uh, was,
0: it was check in with his family and then tend to his business activities. But,
1: and um, then how did his business go after he made this adjustment?
0: It, it flowed even smoother in people that he was having issues with. Um, those issues kind of resolved themselves because he was showing up in a within a coherently organized value system that reflected his values. So he was able to show up more fully in every area of his life.
1: I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear you're uh, writing a book, Justice.
0: I am. It's, uh, it's called Revealing Justice from Myth to Magic. Wow. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'm beaming right now just for, <laughs> to share. It's um, my personal story uh, about kind of coming into the world and with my own consciousness kind of fairly intact and what I observed as a child and some spiritual experiences that I had and the community I grew up in and then how I, um, I forayed into into a, a, you know a, a toxic relationship with substances and uh, with other individuals and became a young mother and lived through through that and through all of the ups and downs and ins and outs and and came out on the other side to become a healer and a magician and a playfully conscious uh <laughs> conductor and practitioner.
1: <laughs> wow. What a journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It has been quite a journey. Quite a story too.
1: Yeah. I'm looking forward to reading it.
0: Oh <laughs> well, thank you.
1: Yeah. So, in the process of writing this book, have, have you, you know, had any new realizations or insights?
0: What's happened? Because I did like I don't know. I did kind of a healing bomb, really. What happened? I I came, I came out from from you know from using seven years of meth use, on and on, on and off to to coming back and, and getting reconnected with my father who who's a healer his work matrix energetics and um and working with um some hypnotherapists and just right straight into the healing journey right and then i began teaching within a year or two of of kind of having left that life behind so what's what what i've noticed it's almost like the healing, it just it sort of kind of travels forward in waves. And it took me a number of years to get all of this this story out of myself because it's very personal. <laughs> it's very revealing. <laughs> so what I've noticed in looking back through it, like I'll, I'll write a story, maybe that I'll, I'll have put down a couple of years ago, and I'll have gone back through it more recently and my tone softens. Um, and what I keep noticing is my tone around myself and around all of those experiences, it just continues to, to soften and everything that I picked up seems to be just integrating more and more, more deeply.
1: Self-compassion.
0: Absolutely. And I, I, I I think as far as as my work goes, because uh, I sit in space with people and they open up very private experiences and and share them, is because I've I've done that excavating in myself. I can hold that space with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, been
1: my greatest
0: education to this
1: date. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a miracle you went through that experience and came out um because it provided that extra space to to let other people go through their pain and come out the other side too
0: yeah it absolutely it's it's been um it's been a grace and when i look back it feels kind of deliberate. It's like, okay, well, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and instead of going to grad school, you're going to do this. Instead.
1: You're going to go to med school instead. <laughs> you to go to med school instead. Exactly. It's a bit like med school, but it's slightly different, you know.
0: Yeah, slightly
1: different. <laughs> slightly darker, you know.
0: Yeah, slightly darker. Med students come out and can like physically take someone apart and put them back together i've met students go out and you know and the, <laughs> i came out with the ability to psychically take somebody apart and put them back together
1: <laughs> but i would recommend listeners don't necessarily try this at home <laughs>
0: there's a, no there's a lot no, no. of
1: negative side effects to to uh, yeah. these things
0: um no but what i've noticed you know is is that our internal terrain is all the same from from whatever experiences we've had we we've all been encoded for a certain level of of trauma and sadness and regret and resentment and blah blah blah. You know, the stories that bring it about are all a little bit different, but the the tones the feelings they're all in there they're all the same, and we all have the same capacity to excavate through those nastier heavier things and really get to the jewels in our being the joy the prosperity the 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 health the sacredness we, we all have these incredible capacities within us
1: I I I totally agree um, you know, I think before we incarnate We we figure out we make deals with other spirits, so, you know, hey, I I've never felt really deep despair will you come down and and have this codependent relationship with me and really screw around with me, so I can really go down to the darkest <laughs> experience I could imagine. Because I've never experienced that. Because you know, and, right? That's and so funny. yeah, and <laughs> and the other spirit's like, well, yeah, I love you so much, Justice. I'll do that for you, but I'll have to really lower my energy signature, my vibration. Um, so please don't forget, I'm another spiritual being with a body when I'm doing this. Right. Um, and then sometimes a third spirit comes down to the planet too, just to remind the other two that they really are spiritual beings with a body and not bodies having occasional spiritual experiences. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's a story from Neil Donald Walsh, by the way, called The Little Soul on the Sun. Um, so.
0: Oh, that's so funny. I, I write a similar story in my book. I talk about, um, my mom (laughs) Because I'm blonde and I've got curly hair and, and neither of my parents really do and so she asked me once when I was little she said where did you get your curls and I looked at her very very matter of fact and was just like you have to ask <laughs> <laughs> You have to ask for curls before you come down and she was like oh okay and so in my book I, I write on about I was like yeah because it makes just as much sense it's like yeah please and while I'm having my curls can I please have like a life destroying addiction and like so many abandonment issues like it just messes with me my whole life like can I have a side order of that with my curly hair because that would be great <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd like a side order of curls with this depression <laughs> right <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> so at least when I feel awful I'll have pretty bouncy hair
1: <laughs> there you go Oh, goodness. People are funny, aren't we? We are. And, you know, just uh, my view on, on you know, what we pick as what we want to do, you know, what some people might call fate, is that those agreements we, we make can be changed any time we want to. We're conscious beings. We're infinitely powerful. It, just because we made an agreement to be addicted to crazy people or to uh, work in a salt mine in a terrible condition or whatever it is, doesn't mean we can't change that spiritual vow we made and shift things.
0: That's right. And just as we, we draw up contracts in business, we, we draw up conscious and unconscious contracts in life with everybody that we interact with.
1: And we can change them. We can renegotiate. If we're working in a business, that's a struggle. And some of the people are a drain. We can change those energetic contracts.
0: Yes, we can. I have a, a game. I, I take people into the inner world, and I take them before what I call the conscious clerk, and he reviews contracts and strikes out parts that are not relevant, and either you know sometimes he'll shred them, sometimes he'll burn them, sometimes uh, sometimes there will be elements that that still need to be addressed. but the the wonderful thing about playing with with anything in the imaginal realm as I like to refer to it is is it gives us a sort of preview and the opportunity to pretend as in pre tend what we need to tend to in our physical life because regardless we're we're still we're still dealing with symbology, symbology where everything we're dealing with, we're dealing with symbols. So it's, it's very, very, very powerful to, to work with your, with your personal, your transpersonal, your professional dynamics in, in this, in a realm and to learn how to pretend the things into being that you plan on tending to in your physical life.
1: I, I love that idea um, and my view is that business as well as a way of making a living and creating wonderful products and services and changing things in the world, business is also a spiritual a way to grow spiritually if we take that on.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, it's, it's sort of like romantic relationships. Uh, Some people go into relationships to, you know, have children or to have someone, a companion or, you know, a myriad of reasons. And if it's a successful relationship, there's also a component there of spiritual growth that occurs for everyone involved. Um, And I think business is just the same. We get together in these things called businesses partly so we can all grow.
0: makes sense so it's, i mean everything is, is can be an opportunity for spiritual growth even traffic right <laughs>
1: mm. even even concentration camps if you're victor uh what was his last name i'm forgetting the guy who wrote um that famous book about how he survived in a concentration camp because he turned it into a vehicle for his own spiritual growth
0: Oh, I, I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of his name
1: right I now. I think the book yeah. might have been "Man's Search for Meaning" or something like that. Um, but even while people around him were suffering and and dying, and he was, you know, suffering, you know, he was re- he was experiencing things that were painful or not nice. He managed to to see the spiritual growth angle in it, and and that's why he one of the reasons I think he survived whereas many of his people with him didn't now mm. business isn't quite as bad as a concentration camp, or at least I hope your business isn't as bad. as a concentration camp. <laughs> Um, and we can still come with it with that attitude. That I'm going to grow from this. I'm going to ch- shift myself and I'm going to shift how my reality uh, is. And I'm going to hold that. I'm going to pretend the intention I have to make it better
0: that's that's a fantastic business model to anything that you're going to engage with whether you know it's personal services product relationships whatever that that is such a powerful and dynamic way to go about it
1: so you mentioned earlier someone who who had a massage every day and i actually have a massage scheduled in uh, a little bit is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we wrap this up?
0: In in light of of business and in conscious business and growing conscious businesses together try to think of your business as as a vehicle for your passion, for your creativity. And just like you would tend to your car, you would make sure, you know, that you had that all the fluids were well running, that, that everything was signaling and functioning profit, you know, properly. Think of your business in the same way. Think of it, you know, it's an opportunity. It's, it's a vehicle, just like your body is a vehicle to carry your spirit. Your, your business is also an extension of that vehicle to carry your gifts and your services out into the world. And, um, and tend to it from that place, and see see what that's like. See how that shifts your see that how see how that shifts your your attitude professionally.
1: I love that metaphor. So let's uh, wish. I just wish everyone that their vehicle is running smoothly and happily and profitably. And if not, check into the energy of the different parts of your vehicle. If the tires need changing. You know, maybe that's something to look at. Um, And enjoy the ride. Yeah,
0: enjoy the ride.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being with me today, uh, Justice. It's been a great pleasure talking with you.
0: You too, Michael. Get strategies and show notes at intuitiveleadershipmastery.com. What would it take to see you here next time on the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast?